Hello and welcome back to What Is It About the Weather? I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week we're going to be talking about best precipitation forecast apps for your mobile device. Now, last time, um, the last video episode, we discussed specifically radar apps, but you know, that time frame, we're going to expand a little bit when you're looking more to maybe a day or even a week in advance what your best options are in that category. Now, since we last talked, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it is officially fall. And in the Southern Hemisphere, spring is sprung. Now, most of you know I was in Santiago for a couple of weeks. And again, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you saw some pictures from there, some great sunsets while I was there, which was really nice. No rain. And oddly enough, it really didn't rain in Atlanta while I was away. But the day I got back, it was a downpour. But we've gone right back into hot, dry mode. So I'm not really seeing too much of autumn or fall so far. Hopefully, wherever you are, the seasons are changing in a way that you like. I know some people want to linger in the summer forever, but it's been a long, hot one here. And I know I'm ready for some fall-type weather. Actually, fall is probably my favorite um, season in a variety of ways. It's It makes it a little easier to be outside and do things without sweating to death and I don't know I, I like the smell of fall and, and the color changes as well so again hopefully it uh, it is transitioning well wherever you are in in a way you like now the other big thing that was kind of an interesting uh, story in the last couple weeks is super typhoon and, and I'm sorry in advance if I screw up these pronunciations Maranti hit um, through the West Pacific was very powerful storm and actually, there's a very impressive image of a satellite image as it the eye of this storm passed directly over. And, and I don't mean that it just passed over, but the whole, this little island in the Philippines called it, it Bayet. And this island is probably the, from what I read, the most populated northern island in the Philippines. There are a couple of smaller islands that you know, may have a few inhabitants, but this is kind of a, a major kind of the last of the major islands. And you can see this entire island in the eye from the satellite image. And again, there'll be a link in the show notes. But what was really amazing about it is, despite how powerful the storm was, there have been no confirmed deaths at this point on this island, which is amazing considering how strong it was. Now, you know, we may get an update down the road, but as of a couple of days ago, um, Angela Fritz over at the Washington Post wrote, wrote up a nice article, and that's the link I'll put in the show notes, about the storm and, again, the, the lack of deaths. So great thing if, if that's the case, and I really do hope that it is. All right, so let, let's dive into this topic. And as I mentioned when I was doing the video radar episode, I wanted to talk a little bit not just about the apps for forecasting precipitation, but get into a little bit about why it's so difficult to do. And uh, as you're going to find out, I'm not sure there is a good answer for the best option. You know, again, it's going to boil down to things that you're looking for when you're looking for a forecast. But And I'll talk about the points that I think are important to keep in mind. But, you know, again, last time we were very much in the now or nearcast with radar. You know, as I mentioned, some of those apps do go forward in time. Sometimes they do an okay job with that. Other times not so much. And if you can imagine, if you can't forecast rain two hours down the road or four hours down the road, what makes you think you're going to be able to do it a day or even five days down the road? And the reality is, 
you can't do it very well in a lot of cases. Now, it depends on what your breakdown is of, of critical breakpoints. And, and I will tell you, I, you know, I recently was involved in a project uh, that was trying to improve precipitation forecast. It, it was kind of on the fringe edge of it. And I know people that are still working on today. Um, I know people in multiple organizations that are dealing with this very issue because it is one of the largest kind of items on the to-do list I, still for meteorology is can we come up with a better solution to forecasting precipitation than we have today and let's talk a little bit about why it's so difficult so first off it's the fact that we're ca forecasting multiple things right i mean when you forecast temp temperature you don't have to forecast is there going to be a temperature or not right so that's part of it and also we're dealing with the quantities now as I mentioned, part of the struggle there, though, is the sensitivity to these different things. So for some people, it's very important. Is it going to rain or is it not? You know, as you can imagine, rain, even a little bit of rain can cause issues, uh, you know, whether it's traffic in a city, uh, whether it's, you know, the potential of ruining an outdoor event, whatever it might be for different people. There again, there's different thresholds. So, so for some people, it's is it even going to rain or is it not? And then for others, it's how much is it going to rain? And again, you know, for some people it's forecasting floods. So they, you know, they may only need to know about extreme or high levels. Although if they're in an area where it doesn't rain often, you know, they may be sensitive to lower thresholds as well. But, you know, I f what I find interesting is when we think about temperature forecasts, we forecast temperature, generally speaking, in whole or rounded digits, whether that's in Fahrenheit, which is a little uh, more I don't want to call it precise, but the increments are um, more often than you would find in Celsius. But but either way, you don't see, you know, most often you don't see 14.1 degrees Celsius or, you know, 96.2 degrees Fahrenheit. Although theoretically, we could measure that and provide that. But generally speaking, it's because people aren't and, and situations aren't as sensitive to small changes and so it's not as critical that that information is provided yes it might matter at, at like freezing points certainly you know or it might matter at a, a boiling point or, or things like that and you might have other things where there's a particular threshold that's important but generally speaking a few degrees either way and we can deal with those sort of fluctuations and not be overly thrown off about it however that's not necessarily the case with precipitation Right. So that's even in, in the way in the challenge of forecasting these little new, you know, amounts that we do. So, you know, in, in the U.S., we measure it in inches, you know, in other places in millimeters. But in case think about how small a millimeter is or think about how small a hundredth of an inch is, because that's how we measure precipitation. Right. That's a very minute measurement. And. If you think about it, if we measured it even in like tenths of an inch or I don't know, I don't want to say a centimeter because I know that's a lot, but, you know, half a centimeter, if, if we had less sensitivity, your forecast would more often be accurate and you wouldn't, you know, have this what would be uh, considered an error in a forecast or, a, or an inaccurate forecast. And that, again, we get into other things, you know, is what do you consider an accurate forecast? Maybe, maybe for you it doesn't matter. Maybe... You know, whether it rains or not, it's not critical. Maybe it's only if it gets to a quarter of an inch. But again, everybody's a little different depending on maybe someone's going to be riding a motorcycle 
on a road and they need to know what it's going to be like because a little bit of precipitation can mean a difference for their attire that they're going to be wearing or how the people will be driving around them because we all know in in speaking from the south I always laugh because we get a fair amount of precipitation yet you get a little bit wetness on the road and all of a sudden it seems like everybody's forgotten how to drive so these high sensitivities and and more precise measurements that are provided inherently are going to create just in in themselves some challenges with creating quality forecast but let's talk about you know the what we're predicting itself so precipitation and unlike temperature, yeah, temperature can go up or down caused by different things, but precipitation really has some very unique ways in which it forms. Now, many of us think about, you know, a cold front or a warm front passing through, but I will tell you people in the tropics don't even think about those things because they don't have warm and cold fronts, relatively speaking. Most of their rain is convective, and, and again, where, where I'm living currently, you know, that's a big part of the summertime is these convective events. There's also things, you know, when you look at um, topography of different areas, orographic based precipitation, you know, when the when warm air rises up the side of a mountain and cools and, you know, you get a rainy side and then you also tend to have a dry side of a mountain, um, again, based on the prevalent wind direction. So you've got these different types and, yeah, there's some more nuanced little cases, but those are kind of the three major types of, of precipitation. Now, add into that, okay, so the frontal type, it, l- let's just say that frontal type, and, and we'll talk about it, that's really probably the easiest one to deal with in a broad sense about whether it's going to rain or not and continuity because you tend to have um, less little nuances in it. So it tends to be what we would call synoptic-based or larger-scale events versus the other two that I mentioned. But now we add into that, is it going to rain or is it going to be frozen precipitation? And then we get all the different types of freezing precipitation. And again, each has challenges with it. And it's why we're very sensitive to it. So if you want to talk about rain forecast, that's actually a magnitude easier than trying to do frozen precipitation forecast. Again, depends on where you are. Because what the ratio is of snow to water can matter for people. You know, how many inches of snow am I going to get? Well, it, it depends on, again, typically depends on where you are and how the formation generally occurs. But, again, in the south, for, for people here, it's, you know, is it going to be ice versus snow? And, yeah, I know, I hear all the time, northerners always talk about how southerners can't drive in the snow. That Well, quite frankly, it's because in the south, generally, we don't get snow first. Even if there's snow, there's almost always a layer of ice underneath, which is even more hazardous because you don't see it. So you've got all these things coming into play. All right, so what we're trying to forecast is complicated enough. Now add into that what we're using to predict these things. So you've heard me talk about the models before, but what is important with this now I mentioned those large-scale features the models can generally predict those fairly well at least the behavior you know what what is it generally going to look like but it has a particular problem with these smaller events and what you don't get generally speaking with these smaller events is any sort of precision as to where they're actually going to take place you'll always see them if you've ever lived in an area with convective storms and you've seen a forecast on it you'll see all these little dots on you know maybe a television screen where they're showing what it's going to look like and those dots are, are you know they're a best guess 
but really what they're conveying is this type of storm is what we're expecting. But the reality is that dot that you may see over, you know, city X, you know, the next day, maybe over city Y, that just happened to be where the convection formed. And so much of this has to do with a few basic things within those models. First of all is the model resolution. While model resolution continues to improve, and we're getting down to fewer kilometers or miles in, in what we would call these grid points, those grids are not just in the horizontal domain, but in the vertical domain. And when you think about the whole process of rain, especially when you think about convective or, or graphic rain, you know, it, there's an important vertical component. And if it's not capturing either at a horizontal scale or at a vertical scale, the size of these events, then all it can do is guess. And the only way it can guess is the way the physics are written into that model. So if the physics can handle those types of storms, it can suggest that they will occur, but it's going to have a hard time suggesting with any accuracy where they're going to occur, how strong they're going to be. Yes, it may know, the model may know on a broad scale, the amount of moisture that's available to rain. Now, you know, you got to keep in mind, and this is where we, you know, we get also, you, in just talking about this, you hear about all these little nuances. So, water vapor, even when you're talking about, like, relative humidity of 100%, like, and you know what that feels like uh, for anybody that's ever experienced it, with, which most of us have, that's still only depending on what the temperature is, and again, another nuance, somewhere between 2 to 10% of the air is actually holding moisture at that point. So it's not like 100% humidity means that the, the air is just full of, of water. So again, you're dealing with where's that water going to concentrate? Where's that individual storm going to form? And that can even have to do with the data that's being fed in. So here we've got, is the data good going in? All right, is it getting accurate representation going into the model? Are the physics well representing the scale at which it matters? And can the resolution of the model even handle it? So if you take all those things into play, all right, generally speaking, it means that models beyond, you know, five days have, you, you may as well, say precipitation forecast beyond five days it's just not going to be accurate okay again it yes you can you can argue the point what is it that i'm looking for am i looking for is it going to rain or is it not yeah that may you may be able to extend that further out because you can look at these frontal boundaries and how things are going to behave but i could tell you in the summertime in Atlanta, Georgia, if you try to tell me a quantity of precipitation that's going to fall just tomorrow, there's a good chance that I know that you're taking a guess. You know, you're taking a guess based on these models, and, and yes, you're trying to make a, a reasonable estimate and a reasonable guess on this, but it all depends on where those storms pop up. And that's where we get into, you know, you talk about all these challenges, right? And you, you wonder yourself, how can I put that in a good forecast in an app? And what I found is none of them really do. Okay, but let's let's talk about that for a minute. So, what would be ideal to me? So, you know, this is for me, right? And and I realize that everybody's a little different. But if I were looking for an ideal app to give me a precipitation forecast again, you know, a day to you know, let's say five days out. 
two things you really want to know. One, what's the likelihood that it's actually going to rain? And the other is how much rain is there going to be if it does rain? Now, as I just mentioned, that may or may not be feasible, but ideally that's what you would want to know. Now, I'd also like to know with some sort of supporting graphics, right, what type of rain it's projecting. And, and, and particularly like this time of year, again, where I'm at, I can still get these convective summertime type storms or I can get a frontal passage coming through. And I know that when I look at these two different types of things, how much credibility I'm going to put into whether it's going to rain or not and how widespread that rain is going to be. And should I be worried about whether it's just going to rain or whether it's, you know, how much precipitation there's going to be. And really the only way you could do that, yes, you can put it, uh, you know, 40% chance, 0.2 inches. And, you know, one of the apps on my list at least gives you that. But they don't tell you why. And so understanding the type of rain and precipitation can help you you know, when you're trying to understand if what the real chances are in your own mind, having that information is important for you to be able to assess the trust you're going to put. Because one of the things I didn't find in any of this stuff out there, and, and I'm not surprised, is you know, there's a lot of people talk about how accurate their apps are. Well, I can tell you that, like I said, with summertime thunderstorms, you can't show me one of these that one of these apps that can consistently say, hey, we always get it right, or we do it such percentage of time. They talk a lot of talk, but I have not seen any validation on them. Now, I'm sure someone will let me know if they've seen it, and I'd be interested in, in reading about it. I've seen them for temperature, and again, not necessarily the app, but with these same people, there, there are some third parties that do some validation of temperature specifically and compare the different sites and how good they are both, you know, in the short term and the longer term in different parts of the country and or the world. But you don't ever see it for precipitation because most people know it's kind of one of those things that uh, I'm not really sure I want to know the answer to that. But, again, I am hopeful with the people that I know that are involved in this problem that someday, someday we'll get our, our hands around it and do a better job. But, again, there is a lot of room for improvement, let's say, no different than with hurricane intensity forecast. We've gotten really good at the track. We still have struggles with the intensity and for a lot of these same reasons, you know, with that I talked about with the models. So again, rain or not, quantity, supporting graphics so I can understand what type of rain that they're suggesting is going to happen or precipitation if it's going to be frozen. I'd like to see obvious signs in an app that there's some sort of refinement going on. I know enough about the raw models to know that you don't want to necessarily trust the raw model. Yeah, when all else fails, you want to do that. So whether it's supporting text, you know, a video forecast, or whether it's knowing, okay, that they've done their own modeling. So and we've talked about these global models, but a lot of these organizations uh, have people that work with refining the models and there's two types you can you know run your own model or or whether it's like I said if it's providing some sort of information of interpretation as to how they got to their output so knowing that it's refined in some way that's what I would also look for and lastly I 
I think it's important that these apps, so many of them I've seen have become focused on where you are. You know, give me your location and I'll give you the perfect forecast. Well, you know what? When I'm thinking further down the road, quite often I'm thinking about someplace I'm going to be, not where I am now. And yes, you can go enter a location. But then in some ways it gets, again, it gets too granular on that location instead of providing you a, a bigger picture view of what might be headed that way. And so kind of like with the radar apps, I went through a bunch of apps and I will tell you none of them met that criteria or all of them. Now, again, it's possible I missed one and it's possible that one may have been on one device that had some of this but wasn't available. Like I said, I used the the similar with the radar. Android and iOS was the criteria at, at a minimum. That that covers, you know, currently what 90%, probably higher than that. I I don't know the exact numbers of those carrying mobile devices. So, I have two, I guess, honorable mentions. The first was Weather Underground. Now, their Storm app got an honorable mention in the the Radar app, but the Weather Underground product I found quality in terms of its design it provided that is it going to rain or is it not chances as well as a quantity and I know that they do they even give you the choice for instance in the US do you want the National Weather Service forecast or you want their own interpretive forecast so you know that they're actually creating a forecast what I get concerned about there is I don't know the quality of that output but I at least know that they're trying to make the broader models better Okay, and I think that's an important thing. What I wish it had, and and with the National Weather Service forecast, to some extent you're getting that because with the National Weather Service here in the U.S., someone is actually looking at that, and they can say, ah, the model's lost its mind, or I'm going to do a blend of these multiple models, and hopefully the person in that area, and in many cases that is exactly what's going on, has that local knowledge and can say, Yes, I'm seeing this, but here's what we really think is going to happen. One of the things I think apps are missing, though, that I think you find more often on a website, is that detail some with some sort of supporting text about why that decision was made. And yeah, I know, I'm one of the few nut jobs that actually reads those things. But I read it a lot of times when I'm trying to understand and particularly when I know that a difficult situation is setting up for doing a forecast why they made the decision they made with the forecast they went with so none of the apps really have that component to it now they might on a day one forecast but looking out multiple days they really didn't have that weather underground had the most of that where it really lacked though was some of that larger scale supporting graphics that I would have liked to have seen uh, aside from that, though, I like the interface. I like what it does. And I think overall their forecasts are high quality. The other one was Dark Sky. You heard me mention that, I believe, in the radar um, piece. And again, I don't remember if the final edited version had it in there. They actually do show you multiple days. And it the way it projects, uh, you can zoom in, zoom out, so you can get kind of that granular if you want what they could talk about their hyper local forecast but also you can look at the larger scale and it can give you a sense of what type of precipitation at least to some degree does it look like a front does it just look like these pop-up thunderstorms that you might see 
Although I must say, their color scheme for precipitation makes me nauseous. Maybe it's just me, but I, I don't like it for that reason. But again, I also know, and they talk about what they do, and, and the different. they do kind of a blended model approach from what I can tell. I don't know anybody within this organization exactly what they're doing. But that sort of interpretation or hopefully improving upon the base models, I think, is very important. Again, looked at a variety of apps. Those were the two best. None of them did or met the criteria I looked for. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, and I just in general if you're looking for an app, I recommend going to the source for people that actually make forecast, whether it's somebody like a Weather Underground or Weather Channel uh, who now does. They didn't used to, but now does more you know, issuing their own forecast. Other organizations like AccuWeather, a lot of them exist. And I do think it's important that you look for somebody that actually their outputs aren't just raw model output, okay, that, that they've done some sort of refinement, whatever process they might use, because you know that they're actively trying to make it better. If you look at a Google or a Yahoo, usually those use a third party like Weather Underground or, you know, the Weather Channel or whatever it might be. But the thing to keep in mind is whether it's, you know, Yahoo, let's say, for instance, they may change six months from now what provider they're using. And a lot of times the documentation you're reading is outdated and isn't accurately reflecting which model they use. So they may change what provider they're using. And you may not know that information. And so you may wonder all of a sudden why the forecast quality has changed. And it could very well be that. But by going to the source and looking for these source organizations, or at least knowing for sure which one of them provides it is an important piece of the information. But until I see a third-party verification, what I can tell you is whether you're using Weather Underground or one of these others, that all of them are going to have issues. And, you know, in a lot of cases, it is looking for, in your area, which one of them you've seen consistently perform. And that's probably what I'd almost tell you to do is pull down a few of these. You know, and when you've got an event that comes through, make note of what they what they said. And if you find one that's consistently doing well in your area, well, then use that one because that's fine for you. And again, if you use somebody that aggregates that like a Yahoo or Google that are pulling it from another source, just make sure that you're aware if they change sources. And that's not always easy to keep up with. And that's usually why I point to the direct creators of the outputs the challenge might be though is a yahoo or google may be better at the the gui or the front end but i will tell you sacrifice a little bit about how pretty it looks to get a better forecast or at least know where your forecast is coming from so in my opinion there isn't one at least today i have hopes down the road i give two honorable mentions and so maybe this will be a topic that we come back to down the road so there you have it no best um no winner a winner in the category. I read a lot of articles about this stuff, and I can tell you a lot of the people writing articles don't know the first thing about forecasting, whether and what's involved, and their winners based on why they chose it. Uh, just the criteria was, uh, yeah, not even going to go there. Any case, all right. So, interesting tidbit of the week, right? So, recently we got new notifications about the longest lightning strike and the longest lightning strike, and there were two winners now. Longest in terms of distance went to a lightning strike that was roughly 200 miles measured in Oklahoma. And longest lasting was a strike that lasted seven 
over seven seconds, and it was recorded in France. And I think to myself, all these times I've been trying to photograph lightning, if I had seven seconds to shoot a lightning strike, I think even I could get that one right. So there's your interesting tidbit on lightning for this time around. Um, next time, you, you know, I, I've just mentioned about photography and, and taking pictures of lightning. I'm going to, the, the video episode, we're going to talk a little bit about that. People have asked what setup I use when I'm out there taking pictures. So I'm going to try to share that and give you some thoughts and ideas about effective photography of weather. Because, you know, it can be fun. Maybe it's something you want to pick up. And hopefully also next week that cloud series can going to get kicked off. There's a chance that it might fall into the first week of October. I've got some travel towards the end of next week that may impact things, but hopefully it'll it'll get launched. So let's let's wrap up and let you get on with your weather day or night, whatever it might be. So since we last talked, five new, I sent a tweet about this for those of, and again, I retweeted the, the what is it about the weather tweet. So I think five new countries, and we are just three more states. Not a lot of population, North Dakota, Wyoming, Vermont. So if you know somebody in those areas, don't don't hesitate to let them know about this wonderful podcast that they'd want to listen to. How to get hold of us as always, whatisitabouttheweather.com, and all the ways to connect with me there, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, you know, for following my thoughts and my pictures that I've been taking how to connect on Facebook as well, as well as that Google photo album. Again, I, I update that about every week or two. So even if you don't want to follow me on a regular basis with these other areas, but you like weather-related photos, that's a place to, to stick with us as well. And, of course, the, the Twitter feed specifically for the podcast, whatisitabouttheweather.com. Like I said, just do what is it about the WX on Twitter, and that'll get you there. So in summary, RSVP, rate, remember, whether it's iTunes or, or one of the other aggregators, if you could go in and leave a review, that'd be great. It's how people find us, and I'm sure you've heard that if you listen to any podcast. But it's true. It's, it's how things are discovered. So that's one way. That's kind of a more anonymous way for if you don't you know, want to send an email or tell somebody about it, it's a quick way to do it, and yes, it does help. Share. You guys have been great about this. I mean, I, I am amazed constantly when I hear about new people and, you know, they say so-and-so let me know or I heard about it here, and, and that's great. I mean, that, that probably is the easiest way to discover we're not some major ad-supported thing and no one, you know, we're not doing a plug on any other podcast or anything like that. That, that may change at some point, but you guys sharing it is the way that we continue to grow. Validate feedback continue to give feedback show ideas things you like things you don't like all that's important and pledge i mentioned some changes coming with patreon i'm also looking at a paypal option and give give people a little more flexibility in what they do and i hope to again i've still not found a good store option with some you know memorabilia for people that want to do it that way but hopefully in the next month or so i'm going to have a little more time to to focus on that and get something put together in any case, RSVP, however you do it, you know, thank you. Let's We'll just say it that way. And until next time, may you have good, exciting, interesting, extraordinary, enjoyable, and, of course, safe weather. Those are two 
Wildschufe Production.